All right, we're back. Season two, episode four? Five. Five. Shit. We're on a roll. No, we're talking about beast. We're talking about a trash can. I mean, Brandy. Oh. So, I, my, my if bad. I remember correctly, and I'm going to have to look this up, was Brandy had a hit in like the early 90s, didn't she? Or was yeah, it that, that, uh, that boy is mine with Monica was like the thing. She also had Brandy and Moesha in the nineties. Yeah, TV show, TV shows, and some other stuff there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're talking about a big artist, she was a big she, uh, artist. Yeah. You know what? I remember I had a tape, and this was probably around '94 because Gangsta's Paradise was real big. I had a tape with Brandy on it because I used to make mixed CDs off of uh, the Magic. You remember that station? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like yes. six years old making mixtapes on the on the magic. That was dope. I'm waiting for a song to come on so you can hit record. Oh yeah. Absolutely. My by the, my pride by the way, it. uh brother Ray J, cousin Snoop Dogg is what they're saying. Wow. So who I mean, else is a cousin of Snoop Dogg? <laughs> Everybody. Sasha, Sasha Banks. Nice. Oh, yeah. shit. Might be. Brandy uh, and Sasha, Sasha maybe cousins. Record, worst cameraman ever. Anyway. Um... <laughs> for, those, for those who don't know, those who don't know. B7. Brandy's uh, first album. Oh, bye. Um, prior to that, she dropped 211 in 2012. She also stated that she almost didn't release this album because of COVID. Well, Not that there's, it wasn't there's, done, there's that. It, right. I, um, I mean, but it sounds well, not no, done, she and she maybe she shouldn't have released it. Her, the music, the subject matter of the music wasn't about what was going on. It makes sense. Fair. So I was interested as to how I would react to this album, seeing as I am not really an R and B fan. Yeah. So uh, we can uh, we can go ahead and get into it. First track, "Saving All My Love," um, produced by uh, Aaron Smith, Brandy, and Lonnie Smalls. I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked the production. Yeah, that was that was my first note too. Is like the first note of this, the knock took me off guard. Like it's not mm-hmm. the brandy I was anticipating. Yeah, I was. Yeah, oh the, the, no! The piano were, were awesome, and I liked that she used multiple vocal styles throughout the track. John. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't like the beat at all. Well, as far no, as an R&B I like song, I could understand all. that. But like that's what I'm saying. It took me off guard because it wasn't what I was expecting from a Brandy project. Like, beat by itself, I didn't really have any problems with it. It was a good beat. It was just different from her, from what you expect. Cool. <laughs> 
I don't know. I like the '90s baseline. I wanted more brandy, like what Dwayne and I, I guess, were kind of expecting to happen, you know. And uh, it, it threw me off guard, like super a lot, in not a good way. I don't know if she well, I think chose that, the wrong one for her. But see, I think there's another thing, there. or if it's it could just be bad to me. Like to me, it could just be bad. But it feels completely unfinished collectively, and it feels like they were trying to make the beat uh, finish. See, I didn't she feel that finish. it was unfinished, but I felt they overproduced her vocals. Like they, the effects were so strong, and I have this note some other places too, where it kind of pulls her voice in instead of letting it be as big as it's supposed to be. So like it ended up being like she was buried behind yeah. the beat. Like she was, you could hear her clearly, but with all the effects and stuff, it felt like she was a part of the instrumentation instead of the focal point of the track. So average. Yeah, maybe. Track two. Yeah, average. Oceans. And I felt the exact opposite about this track. Um, produced by LaShawn Daniels, Brandy, and Lonnie Smalls. Uh, I did not like the beat on this one, and I felt it actually detracted from the entire song. And uh, as someone who's not an R&B fan, um, I felt like this was a less than average song. Oh, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I said, uh, lyrically, this is where it needs to be at. And her voice is pretty strong. But the beat had an odd cadence, sort of like it doesn't have a clear pocket uh, to go in. And it threw me off really bad. Like after I listened to it for about the third time, uh, I kind of came up with the, the thing that it kind of feels like a bad mashup. Like she had a song and there was a beat and they kind of tried to force the two things together. Uh, so yeah, no below average, not a great song at all. Okay. I got it. I'm just going to read this word for word for my notes. I hate the beginning of the beat. It doesn't seem to get any better. It almost works with the chorus, even though I don't really like that either. Right. 1.5. Track three is Rather Be. Um, when it first came on, my initial thought was the verses need lower vocal layering, but then it got to it in the second verse. So I don't know why it was not so much there on the first verse, but I did enjoy her uh, ad-libs the last minute of the song. Oh, yeah. Brand if you don't know a lot about Brandy, her voice is so good that when she puts her harmonies together, the only thing that can ruin it is over-processing. And this is another one of those that they kind of did that. But it wasn't as bad as the first one. So I kind of like the modern beat. Uh, but, you know, because it didn't really drown out her vocals as bad as the first track. But not her best song. Average at best. Yeah. No, I, I agree. To me, this is the first thing that's reminiscent of a song on the album so far to me right i don't even feel like the first two were songs i i don't know what they were but this is the first thing i would call a song i liked the fact that the beat was pretty simple um but there did feel like there was a separation in it as well that wasn't a cohesive thing between the verse and the chorus um, but i'm with dylan i like the stuff at the end all right track four i know y'all love this one all my life part one uh, my notes say completely unnecessary interlude. <laughs> Mine says interlude equals net zero. Like it's a it's a nothing. Like it adds nothing to it. Take it away. No big deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change anything. Uh, track yeah. six, Lucid Dreams, uh, produced by DJ Camper, Brandy, and LaShawn Daniels. Uh, this beat was, yeah, whatever. Track, track five. Uh, the beat was absolutely sick. Um, I love the beat. Uh, the, I really like the vocal layering, but my only issue with this song is I wish she would enunciate her words more. Yeah, that's kind of a thing she does, and that's not a huge knock. Um, I love the atmosphere of the whole track. Uh, uh, this is the first track that finally gave her voice the space that she needs. Um, overall, it wasn't a super great song. Uh, probably my favorite up to this point, um, but that bar has been set pretty low. Uh, but overall, probably just pretty average when you consider yes. what she's capable of. Oh. Hold I like the beat. The vibe was good. You're right, John. You were right. <sighs> I told you it was number five. That's how I felt about Lucid Dreams. I hope this doesn't come on when you have to. I, <laughs> Jesus, I hope this doesn't come on when you have to take a piss. That aside, I I enjoy. The, <laughs> true story. Enjoy Absolutely the true story. And the lower range of octaves that she hits. That's it. Yeah, sorry. Is that it? That's good. And and the ver- and the very end, there's a waterfall that sounds like you're peeing for like a minute. No, that that was one of my things. That there's a waterfall. Dan, sounds like you're peeing. Uh, but I like the beat. The vibe was good. Um, I don't know if she was like trying too hard because she had the space to do what she wanted. Um, but there was some of her. Um, vocal changes if you will that were harsh or too far or they just didn't feel right um although the rest of it were really nice and i liked the soft harmonies dylan if you'd like to talk about yeah, number six borderline it was pretty sick i like the vocal area i would be the time to do so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think my note my note for this is i think they finally put it all together <laughs> the beat is current but not overpowering her vocal effects are adding to Brandon's talent, not covering it up. I think the chorus could have been a little bit stronger, but it's my clear favorite almost halfway through this project. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of there with Dwayne. We're getting up to, so far, it's my favorite song on the project. I liked the simple beat again. Um, I liked that it was like a sweet-sounding I'm going to murder you song. Which was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, um, that was a note. That was like five I was minutes. Expecting it was a to play, run it back. You know how you do. You get to the end of the song, you got to play it back so you can get your last bit of note thought out. And I'm like, oh no, I still have half a song to deal with. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's yeah, it's still going. I mean, it was good and it was okay. Like it, and never once throughout the whole thing did I feel like, oh my god, this is such a long song. But right. I did look at it and go, oh my god, it's a five minute song. Track seven, No Tomorrow. Um, the instrumentation and the vocal melodies don't differentiate a whole lot. So, like, the melody of the beat, like, she did not deviate her vocals from that melody one bit. And I didn't really like that. It, ju- it just felt like it needed something else. Like, she could have done something else and didn't. It wasn't sloppy, like she like just, it was sloppy. The melody, like she followed the melody to a T. Oh, like, see, I don't know. It was almost too sing-songy. Like, yeah, but she, that's somewhat talented as her. Like, I felt that, like she could have done more. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I definitely feel like she could have done more. The course was okay, but to me, it felt sloppy. Like, I know that she was able to hit the notes where she needed to, but I don't know if it was the fact that all she did was do the same thing the Melody was doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, my biggest issue was the chorus felt thin, um, which goes into my next part where she has some harmonies on here. But it feels like the whole song could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Like she got like the main takes in there, but didn't really deliver anything else, which could be adding to that. She stayed right on key in the pocket and didn't deviate at all so that it all kind of meshed together without being anything special. Track eight, say yeah. something. Uh, the piano and horns combo was fucking tight. Goddamn this beat. This is a fucking banger. Yeah. Yeah. I was right there with it. Uh, <laughs> I love the love the beat on it. It sounded vintage and current at the same time. Uh, Brandy was singing with an edge, which she doesn't often do. Uh, kind of had that Beyonce Drake vibe overall to it, which was a, you know, a good thing for her because it showed a little bit more range, especially in contrast to the last one where it was kind of, you know, just mellow in the pocket. So I'm with both of you guys. The song slaps. I like the beat. It's a captivating song. I think it's done well. However, the powerful song that she's delivering through this just is deflated through all the effects and stuff like Dwayne was talking about earlier uh, throughout the chorus. So you lose a lot of the momentum you have of the song and then it comes back in powerful again, but you almost have to gain the momentum back. So it could have been better in my opinion, but it is one of the highest rated songs so far. How about that next track though? All My Life Part 2. Net zero. Completely unnecessary in a loop. <laughs> So I okay, have I didn't, I didn't dot, play dot, all three dot. of them back to back or whatever to to see if they're they're the same exact thing. Neither did I. They have lyrics. Yeah, not really. Not that you can. Right. <laughs> well, they they fade fully in and out though. So even if you play That's them what I'm back saying, to I didn't back, know if they, were, if they were the same or if they were different. Like from listening to it, I am. Almost certain they're different, but that's just going off part one, yeah. part two, part three, and only kind of listening at it. Track 10, I am more. Uh, damn, now she got the guitars. Another banger. Uh, I, I did want to point out, though, that she said yeah. retarded in 2020. Look what you done started kissing me. Yes, she did. My mind is in retarded. So. Yes, but if she's talking about cars, retarded is like yeah. a timing thing. So it's cool. I like I like the track. I love this yeah. One. So it kind of depends on her. Uh, I am not okay. a fan Dwayne, of the song. Pretty about much it? across the board, the beat sounds a mess. Brandy sounds like she's doing her best with what she's got, <laughs> but she deserves but, he, but she deserves better than this track. <laughs> oh my God! Did you no, seriously like read trash. my notes? Um, I get that it's a variant from what we've been going through and that's fine, but I could not find a redeeming thing for me in this song. 
the lion in the pocket thing at the end was kind of cool. Her little like rap thing at the very end was almost okay. It was almost a redeeming quality of it. Yeah, but I still only gave it like higher 1. than 5. I gave it. I struggled to give it the fi- the point five, but it was the lion in the pocket. Yeah, lines. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Those though. That just nice. goes to show yeah. that there are people with varying tastes. Uh, yeah. I just no, didn't I really, think it. I really want to. Yeah, for sure. I was about to say, and the, right. this is coming from like, an R and B fan. I do like R and B. Like, oh my god! Right when we started, when you said we're doing brandy, I was like, oh, I'm excited. I might actually like know this a little bit and be able to like. No, this is a whole different world. I don't know what she's doing, but it is not Brandy. So it was cool. I just had to come at it. Anyway, let's talk about that later. Yeah, and we can talk about her high heels, right? Number 11. So late, even the bass sounds offbeat. It yeah. almost sounds like she sang this a cappella and they dropped it the <laughs> later. And then she was offbeat. <laughs> just the whole thing sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I have. I hate the beat. Just like the feature. I think Brandy was fine, but to me, this is an obvious throwaway. Yes. Brand new is Brandy, yes? Okay. Yep. This whole thing is trash. That's all I have to say about it. Her daughter kind of did okay. Mm-hmm. The chorus pieces. But outside yeah, of that, I didn't like this at all. So let's talk about Chance the Rapper and Baby Mama. This was the first single. Uh, This shit was fucking dope. All right. Chance beat the shit out of this beat. However, (laughs) however, Chris Brown. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah. I think that they gave Brandy the modern R&B singer effect on her vocals, which is different than the trash they were giving her before. But it still constricted her vocal range a bit, which kind of bothered me. Uh, to me, Chance wasn't great, like lyrically. But when he came in and double time flowed, it was way unexpected. If you listen to Chance, um, I thought the beat was a bit overproduced, but it was all right. I kind of expect more from Hit Boy, um, especially coming off of doing the Nas album and everything, where it's got, it had more melodies to it. Um, but I thought the song was okay overall. And save the song. Let's move on. Interlude. (laughs) Track 14. By the way, I just looked up (laughs) the lyrics for these three songs, and if you put them together, it does appear to be a chorus, a verse, and a bridge. Then why make them separate? Because they're trash. <laughs> and fully affected and well, faded in and out. It was absolutely mediocre. Um, Daniel Caesar outshined Brandy. I almost want to look up Daniel Caesar just to see if this track maybe did him an injustice. Uh, by the way, by the way, this was the single off of his album from 2019. Oh boy! All right. Well, that just lost even more points with me. Um, yeah. No. Not. Not really a fan. Yeah, I thought Ooh, that they wow. liked- Yeah, I mean the song is fine. Actually, uh, like for me, I'm not a huge fan of what they did together. Like they don't seem to have any kind of chemistry. So it was like you sing, I sing, we finish the song, we go home. 
Um, I think. <laughs> I yeah, sing, and, you and sing, we all sing together. Like it just, there was no personality to it. I think the beat was closer to what Brandy excels over and had plenty of space for her. Um, but completely lackluster song. Average at best. See, I thought the song was good. I thought Daniel Caesar was on. Um, this is more, this is a lot closer and a lot more of what I expected to hear while listening to a Brandy album. Um, but I will say that her solo verse was the worst part of the song. All right. Last track Bye Bipolar. Dope, dope concept, by the way. Yeah. Very dope concept. I really liked it. Um, I thought that there wasn't a better way to end it. And, like, I think this one just strikes a chord with me personally as someone who, you know, deals with bipolar when it comes to, like, family members um, right. who, are, who are bipolar. You know, it's it sucks. It really does because you don't know on a day-to-day basis what you're going to get if you need to, you know, coddle somebody, if you need to walk on eggshells, or if you just need to flat out entertain them. Um, so of this whole album, this is the only one that is probably going to stay in my library. Um, you know, as an R and B track, you know, most people will probably take it or leave it. Um, it just kind of struck a chord with me. So it's super biased there, but I, I liked it. Yeah. I thought the album could have used a bit more of this kind of a vibe. Uh, the instrumental, the instrumental wasn't overproduced. Like yes. the instrumental could stand on its own, you know what I mean? It'd be something you could listen to. Uh, but it still had enough room in it for Brandy to do what her voice does best. Her harmonies seemed like they were mixed a little bit quiet for my personal tastes. But yeah, overall, there was not really a flaw you could really pick out in the song. I I loved the interlude style piano that was happening, and I'm pretty sure it was live. Um, she did a great job because I guess uh, the beat allowed her vocal range to be present. Um, I think she did a good job. I think it was a great way to end the album. And like Dwayne, I wish there was more of this throughout the album. All right. As a whole, um, I'm going to give this slightly above a three. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Uh, I thought she kind of redeemed herself towards the end this does have some good tracks i would have probably given it a four if you just take out the songs that i like and made an ep but yeah that's fair i I think i could absolutely agree with that so my thoughts are a little bit whatever um my initial thought where it was it's refreshing to hear an album without a single or an attempt at mainstream appeal like everything we've been listening to has that song where you're just like, I know why you did that. You know, this is the one that everybody's supposed to like. And I didn't feel like it had anything like that. Um, So, but my biggest issue with this album was the production. Like sonically, it was mixed pretty well. But the problem lies that the tracks sound like they're thrown together or they're amateurish, which is completely crazy. Because if you look at the production credits, you're talking people who produce for Keisha Cole, Big Sean, Mariah Carey, Mary J. Blige, Neo. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just one. And then the other side of things, you're talking Whitney Houston, you know, Destiny's Child, Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, these are ridiculous names to have a project produced by 
that sounds sloppy. You know what I mean? Like, how can you have a pro- album produced by these two people and have it sound bad sonically? Um, I thought Brandy's voice was strong, um, but the effects don't really do her justice. Um, I think the album is average at its best and far below my expectation at its worst. Um, after running the numbers, it worked out to a 2.8 for me. So better than my gut said it was, but it still feels like a forgettable release and not anywhere near what Brandy's capable of putting out. I absolutely agree. Um, I'm going to give you my rating now. It's 2.54 overall. There's a couple of 1.5s thrown in there. I just mostly didn't care for it. I think Dylan hit it right on the nose where if you take out the half of the album that just isn't good, you could easily get a four out of this EP. You know, felt super disconnected. The beat choice was like haphazard at best, you know. Um, but most of the album I would just skip. Yeah. So is that fair, fair Dylan, or is that unfair? I think that's fair, but Dwayne, why don't you tell us what's unfair? Unfair to compare this time. We're going in a little bit different direction. We're doing bands this time. Uh, we're going to go seven dust versus living color. John, do you know who those people are? I uh, I I do Living not. Color. You know you know one song by Living Color. I I was about to say I was able to listen to one song from each of them, and one of them that I heard um, was Randy yeah. Orton's <laughs> entrance song. It was it was CM Punk's entrance song. <laughs> CM Punk's. It was CM Punk's. I haven't heard it in so long yeah. now. I'm interested in. Do you remember what song by Seven Dust you ended up hearing? Dirty, dirty. I was just interested in which one happened to pop out like at random. So my first dirty. I usually try to to grab the the first top one on the YouTube. uh, I'm sorry, Google search. My first introduction to Seven Dust was Enemy back in 2003. Oh, late bloomer. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, not really. They came out what 97. Yeah. But whereas, you know, Living Color came out in 1984. Yeah. Uh, So just based off what I know off these two, musically, I prefer Seven Dust. However, I would actually say Living Color. I I think, you know, just based off what I know about Living Color, they are far more influential than Seven Dust. Um, you know, they kind of fused heavy metal, funk, jazz, hip-hop, and, punk, you know, punk. I, and Seven Dust isn't relevant. Like, they have some good songs, but, like, just going head-to-head, I don't really think they've got the accolades that Living Color has. Oh, no, I mean, that's that's pretty easy. Um, if you're going to go that way, because Living Color has won two Grammys in back-to-back yeah. years. So, I mean, if you're just going straight off accolades, then yeah, without a doubt, you got to say Living Color. And then, at the, 
but then but then on the flip side you know seven dust has consistently released music where living color took you know a huge freaking hiatus it's like if you're just going by amount of material you go you go what five years off yeah sounds right well system of a down is on year what 16 17 but you know (laughs) but they're not in the conversation so yeah yeah, I and honestly, I was really familiar with Seven Dust, and I had heard Living Color, but I hadn't like super dug into them past the radio songs. Um, so that's what I did this week was I dug into the radio, into unradio songs, so not the top stuff, but the actual album cuts. Uh, and I found myself enjoying more of Seven Dust's album cuts than I did living colors album cuts but it could just be that there are more of them so it was easier to find more stuff to like um so like i'm not gonna argue the point because both bands are super talented they're both released good music um so but to me i have to pick seven dust based on the size of the discography and me favoring their non-radio songs um but yeah i mean there's really no loser in this one for me John, which ones do you like better? Well, buddy, I'm going to have to go with Living Color. Because it had the song you knew. Because he had the song I knew. One of, one of their one of their Grammy Awards, so I can't really argue the fact. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's kind of like the De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest argument where, you know, I would say De La Soul, but you, you know, came with an argument that they're really – you couldn't go De La Soul. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, yeah, it's it's one hundred percent personal preference in some of these things. Yeah. Like they have a lot of influences that are the same. You know what I mean? Like there are elements that they put together, and you know, Living Color is more of the popish side of it, and you know, Seven Dust wasn't. So, like I said, that's why I dug into the album cuts because it was a better look into like the group as a whole for me. Because then you're not you're not worried about they're putting this out to you know get mainstream appeal or sell out the concert or whatever you know they were allowed to be as artistic as they wanted to be back in the 90s also uh while living color was on hiatus uh vernon reed the lead singer released six albums with other bands oh that's good so there's that he kept busy yeah music making machine yeah, and he was, he was number 66 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 2003 list of 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Not bad. Damn. Not the greatest, though. No, but hey, that's a that's a huge list. I mean, how long has the guitar oh, been yeah. around? You know what I mean? Like, that's, right. that's a sure. phenomenal feat. Yeah, true. You know, most people would say Eric Clapton or Jimi Hendrix is, one of, is the greatest guitar player ever. Yeah, and it's hard you know, to argue. And I and I always remind people, Eric Clapton was once asked, "What's it like to be the greatest guitar player ever?" And he responded, "I don't know. Ask Prince." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and for those who don't know, you need to check out Prince's uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance because he makes uh, absolute rock legends look like amateurs. Anyway, y'all ready for who is it? Sure, let's give it a go. This one just popped in my head. uh, Who is it? Earlier this week. 
<clears throat> because John was unprepared. But I think Dwayne is probably going to get this one before I get to the last uh, yeah. last clue. Let's give it a go. All right. First clue, filed for bankruptcy in the late 2000s twice. DMX. No. <laughs> That's literally what I was going to say. Next clue, owes over $900,000 in federal taxes dating back to 2010. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> he's in the million. He's, Are we he's, he's the only the singers? Though. Fair. Debut rap name was Wow Alvin. Wow Alvin. Huh. <laughs> That's a name. I have no idea. Okay. Fourth clue. He is one third of the hip hop supergroup, The Serial Killers. Are you talking uh, crap? Uh, hold on. They'll turn it out. Uh, from Alcoholics Exhibit, West Coast Customs and all that. That's him. <laughs> Exhibit. The was, I heard you like waffles, so we put a waffle house in the trunk of your car. He might have been a dead one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's crazy. Like, I did not know that that was his uh, first rap name. Yeah, I, so I believe that he never released anything under that, but that's what he went by, um, you know, probably as a kid. Yeah, but I mean, that was, that was the times. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Good times, good times. Yeah, I'd have got it with the last one for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> me too. I, I think I would have got it with the last one. Definitely. Dylan, uh, you got anything for my playlist, yeah, everybody? I do got some stuff for your playlist. I just got to find it. But I do have a side note. Uh, with last episode we talked about the Remedy album. It all comes down to this. Yeah. If you've heard the first two Remedy albums. The third one's pretty similar. Nice. It, I didn't, <laughs> it didn't make my way to listening to it yet, but I gave him the follow on Spotify, so it's coming. I just haven't got to it yet. Yeah. So, uh, all right, John, I got some stuff for your playlist. And honestly, this first one you should have heard, and I don't know why it wasn't in my library. Like, I, I typed it in my library and it didn't come up. And I'm like, why is this not already in my library? So those are, those are the best, yeah. Yeah, uh, hit them up, Tupac. Oh, yeah. That's it's an interesting it's an interesting one. Like to be a not a huge Tupac fan, like you say you are. You know what I mean? Like that's a pivotal moment in his career. That like that song. So, like to me, there's like. 10 dozen better songs that he's got but like that's one of those songs that you know you can pinpoint is a point in his career where he couldn't get any bigger than he was right yeah so uh that one that one's dope um also i've got uh another one that you should already have it is uh same same situation. I looked in my library and it wasn't in there. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Uh, the sign by Ace of Base. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I know that one. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> um, 
I'm excited you mentioned that because I never would have thought about it. Ever, ever, ever. And then uh, the last one's kind of weird, and there's a, there's a story that goes along with it. Um, it is Wally by Prince. Um, so as both of you know, I don't know if the listeners know, I am, I am a huge Prince fan. Um, the song Wally was always considered to be the crown jewel of unreleased Prince songs. Um, and Prince, unreleased Prince music has been circulating since the 80s. Um, people would trade tapes and, and stuff like that. So a lot of it made its way onto the internet in really poor quality. Um, but there was always a story about the song Wally, which was a song he recorded in the early 80s, which was a full-fledged confessional. Um, and Prince is not really a personal person. Um, on his songs you know it's almost like he sings in character um, but Wally was not that it was his a confessional to his bodyguard Wally you know and he was essentially telling Wally all of his sins um, and his uh, engineer at the time Suzanne Rogers um, was in the studio with him and she said it was one of the most beautiful pieces of music she ever heard to the point where it brought her to tears and then he started adding things to it, like instruments that didn't necessarily go along with the track. And she was like pleading with him to stop, like you're, you're ruining the song, what are you doing? Um, and then once he was finally done, he went to her and pretty much said, all right, I got it out of my system, erase everything, which he never did. Like he's got the, the infamous vault where he kept everything. Um, so about two years ago, Wally had surfaced on YouTube. However, it is a different version than the one that everyone had always heard about. So this song is called Wally, and it's, from what I've heard, is similar in style to what it was originally supposed to be. However, the lyrics are completely different. This song is about borrowing Wally's glasses so he can meet up with a girl. Um, however, the fact that it ultimately came out, everyone kind of lost their shit when it happened. Um, so, is this the 2020 yeah, remaster? remaster. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's worth checking it out, especially since you now know the story behind it. Um, there, uh, you know, people are still kind of hoping that the original exists. But yeah. Really yeah. So I'm sitting here perusing information on the song as you're telling your story, just to see what other things are. And I stumbled across this and this says, like many songs that have never reached an official release, although it exists in a 50 minute version. Yeah. A fi- so, so to say this is a different song may not be true. Like it could just be a f- section of something. Because yeah. Uh, yeah. Five a, minutes a, of a 50, this one. Song. You know what I mean? That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a whole yeah. album worth of material based out of one thing, like one long conversation. That's yeah, absolutely great. Um, so from what has been understood since then is this version was recorded two days after the original. The, uh, the original was a 24 stem recording um, that he told Suzanne Rogers to erase. Um, whether or not, you know, a copy of it exists somewhere, I, you know, we don't know, but yeah, it's a cool story. There's a YouTube video of Questlove uh, talking about it. 
Um, Anytime you hear Questlove talking about Prince, you should stop what you're doing and watch it because oh, dude, dude's a great storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. Dwayne, what do you got? Yo, so this first one is crazy because one, I had heard it previously. And the only reason I heard it is because it won the Grammy just the other day for best metal performance. It's Bum Rush by Body Count, which for those that don't know, that's Ice T's band. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, so I saw that. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I had to go back and play it. You know, that's the first thing you do when you see Ice-T wins a Grammy and it's 2021. Um, so, yeah, it's for fans of Public Enemy, The Prodigy, Rage Against the Machine, uh, very anti-establishment sort of a thing. Um, but, yeah, no, it's like I didn't listen to everything else they went up against, but it was pretty easy to say that this should have been in the conversation. Uh for that and i'm glad that they won because it's a interesting piece from going from being banned in the united states to you know winning the grammy uh without really changing what you're doing is a great story for that um my second one major departure from that one uh but it's lost by nf featuring hobson uh for fans of eminem futuristic and tech nine conscious rap that sort of thing if you listen to nf you know what you're getting into if you listen to hobson it's more of that angry personal vulnerable kind of hodgepodge that he sometimes does uh, but but very much nf uh instrumentally uh and my last and my last one nice. is an interesting one um because the clean version popped up on my playlist uh for new releases last week uh the song is called paperboy by tebow the firecracker um it's for fans of southern rap 2000s no limit old mixtape machine gun kelly that sort of thing um yeah didn't really know dude was still making music like that um but it's kind of it's kind of kind of catchy like you know like not a radio song but you know one of those hey you used to do this kind of stuff so it's a good like nostalgia track but it's new hmm okay we'll get them on there We'll see how it how it looks. John, did you? Uh, what else we got? Crossed anything on your playlist? That you oh my gosh! Do? You know what? I'm over here trying to make sure I'm getting these on there, and I almost forgot I did find one I liked. Uh, it's another one like uh, last week, like the "Lay Low" by Neon Vines, which is dope if you haven't heard it. Um, it is "Never Count on Me" by Haywire. H A Y w-y-r-e it's um it's got a great sound it draws you in um it just vibes really good it feels good i really like it so i put it on the playlist because it's my playlist john's playlist on spotify john should make john a, playlist. Should a playlist on spotify on spotify cool all right that does it for this week. Tune in next week for another episode of Put On A Record. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.